The following episode of Annals on Call is brought to you by Annals of Internal Medicine. For more episodes and links to CME and MOC, visit go.annals.org slash oncall. Participant statements on this podcast reflect the views of the participants and not necessarily those of the Journal or the American College of Physicians, unless so identified. The beauty of real life compared to the study is you don't have to do all or nothing. In the study, they were really assessing the complete all in the room or not. In real life, we have the opportunity to recognize what should be said in the room and what can be said out in the hall. Welcome to Annals on Call, a podcast based upon articles from the Annals of Internal Medicine in which we discuss the implications of the article for you, the listener. This is Dr. Bob Centaur. I'm Professor Emeritus at the University of Alabama at Birmingham and former chair of the Board of Regents for the American College of Physicians. In this episode of Annals on Call, we discuss a paper titled Effect of Bedside Compared with Outside the Room Patient Case Presentation on Patients' Knowledge about Their Medical Care, a Randomized Controlled Multicenter Trial, which appeared in the Annals of Internal Medicine, June 29th. 2021. Joining me on this podcast is Dr. Lisa Willett, who's Professor of Medicine and the Vice Chair of Internal Medicine for Medical Education at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. She also has a Master's in Academic Medicine and is the former President of APTM, the Association of Program Directors of Internal Medicine, from 2019 to 2020. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us uh, on this podcast. Just to frame it, uh, you and I participated in a number of studies, maybe as long as 10 years ago now, where we tried to understand what residents were interested uh, in terms of uh, ward attending rounds. Part of ward attending rounds is bedside rounds. And there's been a debate that is uh, probably more passionate than data-driven about the role of bedside rounds. So given your role as a program director, when you think about rounds, do you think about it as just serving one purpose or do you think about it multidimensionally? Well, I love the conversation because I think it's really important. And I definitely think about it as serving multiple purposes. And I think that's what I've learned through the years is to be intentional in my thoughts about what the purpose is when we're doing bedside communication with the patient. And so to expand on that a little bit more, obviously patient care is the priority and that's what we are charged with doing with bedside rounds and with everything that we do with our learners. But to develop physicians, whether they're medical students or residents or fellows, Part of our purpose is also to make sure that they are able to independently practice. And so part of our responsibility in academic medicine is to do assessment of those learners. And a lot of that important assessment can happen and probably should happen with direct observation at the bedside, watching the learner engage with the patient. So for me, bedside rounds is very multi factorial. And and that's part of the challenge, actually, I think, is the attending is to make sure the patient is getting what they need, because that's our priority to make sure that the communication, the information, the knowledge, the physical exam, the sensitive information, all of that, that we're making sure we provide for the patient has to be our priority. But at the same time, when you go to the bedside as an attending, there's a, a wealth of information that you can glean 
to assess the learner and where they are in their development as a clinician? This interesting study in the annals is probably the largest study to try to evaluate the impact of bedside rounds. As you read the article, what did you see as the goals of the study that they did in Switzerland? I thought it was really interesting, and I love that their primary endpoint was the patient's subjective knowledge. So how did the patient really feel about their care, what the decisions, the therapeutic approach to their disease? I think they had three things, understanding their disease, the therapeutic approach, and further plans of care. So the primary endpoint was really the patient's experience, which is obviously what we care most about. But I think what they added, which was so helpful, was that even if the patients felt confused, which was one of the points of the study, was they said that there was a lot of medical jargon and the patients didn't always understand it. It didn't cause distress to the patients that didn't upset the patient or they didn't feel that they were, I think they specifically said, I felt discomfort due to the interactions and the patients did not feel discomfort. Mm -hmm. In fact, they They felt like there was more time that was spent with them, the complexities of the conversations. And so even though there was some confusion, there wasn't distress from that confusion, which I thought was really important. So uh, the methods of the study, as I read them, are pretty complex. So these were consult rounds. And I was trying to figure out exactly what consult rounds were, but uh, they're rounds that I guess a senior faculty member uh, makes a couple times a week. There's a lack of blinding in this. You couldn't blind whether it was bedside rounds or not. Uh, It was randomized, but it wasn't blind. And they compared it with hallway presentations first and then going to the bedside. So with your experience uh, of seeing a lot of different people make rounds, put that into some perspective. I had the same thoughts that you did. I was trying to picture the reality of what that consultant ward round would actually feel like if I was a member of that team and if I was the patient. And I think that is a difference from how we engage in, at least in our institution and probably in our country, is the differences from that that I understand are that this is a kind of a one and done. They only assessed the experience for one day of when the consultant joined those rounds. And so I know from my own experience, when I do bedside rounds, we obviously see patients every day they're in the hospital together and information is changing and the patient's clinical care is changing. And and there is often confusion, even in ourselves, of why they're in the hospital, which is the right antibiotic or or treatment course. And so I think a, a interesting point to this that may even make this a more positive study in favor of bedside rounds is that if you see the patient daily for two or three or four days, you build more of a relationship with the patient and you're able to have the same conversation more than once about what we think is happening and what we think the course should be. And, and that may actually make the patient even more comfortable with the jargon and the, the diagnosis and those sorts of things. The other point that I thought was, I couldn't tell if this happens in the, in the study or not, but at least at our institution, and I'm sure most U.S. residency training programs is that the residents in our institution, we'll do pre-rounds. So they will already go in and see the patient, do their exam, make sure that things went well overnight, inform the patient what they think the plan will be. And then we go back as a a team with the attending and the rest of the the full team, which to me would be more like the consultant ward round, perhaps a bigger group of people. So I also wonder if the amount of teaching, just the impact of that would be different for the patient as well as for the learner, because they've already had 
some interaction with the patient before rounds. And so the bedside report out basically may not be all new information for the learners. They've already digested some of it and done their own clinical reasoning for the presentation purposes. So let's go over the results and then we'll try to put those into context. So the thing that is most impressive in the study is the efficiency of the way that consultants did the bedside rounds. Maybe, maybe you could have, say something about that. Yeah, the efficiency was, they measured that in terms of duration of ward rounds. And so they measured it time at the patient's bedside and then time for the discussions outside the room and, and they added that up. And so in this study, there was a statistically significant difference that there was more time spent at the bedside with bedside rounds, obviously, <laughs> we would hope. <laughs> and, um, but actually the entire time was less, which makes sense. And I have found that myself is that if we spend a lot of time outside the room going through all the information, then we repeat that information again in the patient room that sometimes it, it is a repetition that it may be necessary for the learner standpoint to really go through the information and, and make sure there's clarity and understanding. But in terms of total time spent on each patient, it probably is more efficient to do, to do it once all in the patient room. You've already mentioned this patient knowledge. Uh, was there any difference in the patient knowledge, depending upon how this was done? Yeah, so in this study, they did not find a difference in patient knowledge between the bedside group and the outside the room group. I remember there was some difference in the reaction to, to jargon and uh, whether or not that did cause some confusion for a subset of the patients. That's right. And they said that that was, I think, for younger patients. And finally, the pure bedside rounds seem to less often focus on some of the issues that are a little bit more sensitive. That's right. So they found that discussion about sensitive topics happened less with the bedside group than the outside the room group. And that makes sense too. And to me raises a couple of important points is that if you like bedside rounds, which I do, not everything must be said at the bedside. It, in my mind, that's part of the awareness of what should be said out in the hall and what should be said in the room. You want to respect the patient's privacy and you don't want to withhold sensitive information from the patient, but you also need to probably explore some of those sensitivities so that the learners understand how those influence care and what some of the factors are. And so I think the beauty of real life compared to the study is you don't have to do all or nothing. In the study, they were really assessing the complete all in the room or not. And I think in real life, we have the opportunity to recognize what should be said in the room and what can be said out in the hall and what should be said out in the hall. After reading the study, what does this study tell us and what, what does it not tell us? So I think for those who are reluctant to do bedside rounds because they worry that it will confuse the patient and the jargon and it'll have negative impacts from the patient's perspective, this study, I think, pretty nicely decreases those concerns that it seems that patients appreciated it. They may be a little confused, but it didn't cause distress to them and their knowledge and understanding was really the same. What it doesn't tell us is how to make those bedside rounds most meaningful. And so this is a very patient focused study. It's all about how the patient's felt how their knowledge, what their objective knowledge was as measured by a study team member going and actually trying to do a chart comparison. What this study doesn't tell us is 
the differences in the individual team members, the difference in the attendings, their style, how do you maximize the time at the bedside? And I think that that's perhaps where there's a lot still left to learn is how do you control the session when you really don't necessarily have control over it like you do in the, in the hallway? And, and how do you make sure that learners are getting what they need? I think some mix is really important that there's a time and place for everything. And I think for me, if you think about the ACGME six competencies of the things we need to assess our GME learners is medical knowledge, patient care, professionalism, communication, systems-based practice, practice-based learning and improvement. There's, there's six of those things that where we identify domains of independent competency for physicians. Not all of those six domains are done at the bedside. So for me, medical knowledge should not be done in front of the patient unless it's done in a really careful way. You don't want to be asking your trainees to go over the the pathophysiology of heart failure in front of the patient and make it feel like they're being tested because you don't want the patient to think their team of doctors doesn't know what they're doing. (laughs) Um, It's really not the right time in my mind to do a lot of um, questioning on medical knowledge. We still need to do that, but that can happen in the hallway after the patient interaction. To me, the bedside rounds are the perfect time to assess their, the learner's communication skills and their professionalism and their physical exam skills and how they change their clinical reasoning with new information that they witness or hear in the room that they didn't see when they were pre-rounding and how do they change their plan on, on the real life changes that happen with patients. So I, I think that what this study doesn't tell us and, and wasn't designed to do, but all the complexities of what we do taking care of patients. Let's see if I can summarize that and please call me out if I, if I don't do it right. When I think about rounds, I think of, let's make sure the patient's getting the best possible care and that the patient understands what care they're getting. And let's make sure that the learners are growing. And so we have those two things actually can be separated in some ways. I personally think there's a false debate between bedside rounds and, and I actually do it uh, in the team room rather than in the hallway. I don't have any conversations in the hallway. We've already discussed all the patients before. We get, spend a lot of time with the patient to make sure that everybody understands what's going on before we go into the room. Uh, because for the very reason you just mentioned that you don't want to in any way make the learners unnecessarily nervous because you're asking them questions at the bedside. And you don't, don't in any way want to suggest that the learners are not a full part of the team and embarrass them in front of the patient because they, they're spending more time with the patient usually than the attending is. The other thing that this doesn't talk about, and I'd just like to throw out there, is that there are two parts to bedside rounds. One is role modeling. And one of the really important things that we do as attendings is show how to have respect for patients, uh, demonstrate how to take a history when the history that was presented to us is confusing, demonstrate how to teach patients, and then test it by going ahead and letting the resident or the intern do the teaching and giving them feedback back in the hallway, not in front of the patient. And so trying to have some kind of a mix it seems like there's this false dichotomy of you're either doing bedside rounds or you're not. And uh, what I hear you saying, and, and I know that I say this all the time, is 
there has to be part of rounds that are at the bedside, totally focused on the patient. I'll often leave the room after we've had a difficult conversation. And then we'll have a dis- that the one time I'll have a discussion in the hallway is to deconstruct what we did, especially when I make a mistake, because I don't always do a good job or give the resident feedback if the resident was in charge uh, that particular day and say, I really like that you did this, you might consider doing this. And so by, by doing this false dichotomy of only one, one part of rounds being all of rounds, it seems to me like we're missing out an opportunity to hit all the dimensions of what really successful ward rounds are from the learner's point of view and the patient's point of view. I agree completely. And I think that there's so much happening taking care of patients. And there's so many opportunities that you really just have to be flexible, like you said. And I I completely agree. We should never have the learner feel inadequate or that they've made a mistake in front of a patient that doesn't help the learner. It doesn't help the patient. And so that feedback is really critical for their growth and that should happen out in the hall. And so I think even little things, if you're at the bedside and, and you're confused or you feel like the history needs to be repeated or you disagree with a physical exam finding, I think as the attending, you should still be very respectful of the learner in front of the patient and say, gosh, Mrs. Smith, Dr. So-and-so did a really nice job. I'm confused and want to clarify a few points for myself so that I understand exactly what your symptoms are. Do you mind? Let me ask you a few other questions or let me, let me clarify some points for myself. But that extra bit at the beginning of Dr. So-and-so did a great job, again, shows the patient that we're all on the same team. We're working together. You're not, you're not saying this, <laughs> the learner or the student did a bad job. You're just saying we, we need more information and, and let's get it. So. I agree that flexibility. And I think it goes back to being intentional about what are you trying to learn at the bedside? And, and I love your point about what you role model too, because sometimes I think it is important in a difficult conversation or even a a not so difficult conversation, but I'll ask my team before we go in the room, I'm going to lead this conversation and I want you to pay attention to what I'm doing. And I want feedback when we're done in the hall on things that you noticed I said and how the patient responded for better or worse. So I want the positive feedback and the negative, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to role model for you how to have a difficult conversation like this and, and you pay attention and then in the hall, we'll debrief it. So it still involves them, but you're able to role model and teach when you need to. And there, you know, there, there are things that we learn over the years you know, uh, sitting down for a difficult conversation works a whole lot better than standing up. And just the fact that you sit down, they've heard that before, but often they've never seen it. They've never, they've never seen someone explain what heart failure is to a patient. And how do, how do you communicate difficult medical concepts uh, to a patient? And that requires practice on our parts. Uh, and then trying to have the learners be able to grow from that because that's really having the learners grow is, is our biggest, is our biggest job as educators, as clinicians, our biggest job is to make sure that uh, we're trying to get the best clinical care for the patient. But we role model all kinds of, we role model getting consults. Sometimes you run into a consultant in the hall and talk to the consultant that's role modeling for the house staff or taking them to radiology when you're confused about a a radiograph. So does this study change anything in your mind about 
how to give advice to junior faculty and uh, or even how to do rounds yourself? It doesn't change what I do, but it makes me feel better about it. <laughs> um, and I think what it reinforced for me, at least the way I have learned to do bedside rounds is I'll, is I'll tell the patient, Mrs. Smith, we'd like to do our, our full presentation in front of you, if that's all right. And so Dr. Smith will, will give the information for the past 24 hours and we'll share it with the team so that we're all doing our best to give you the best possible care. What Dr. Smith is going to do is going to be perhaps a little confusing and, and there'll be some medical language in there that, that I understand may be confusing. And I promise at the end, once we go through all the information, we will translate it because we want it to make sense to you because you're the most important person in the room. And so when I read this study that it reminded me the importance of you can still use medical jargon in the room if you need to, because that's how we communicate as physicians. But patients do get confused by that, obviously. And then the importance of always making sure at the end of bedside rounds, it is communicated in a patient-centered way. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for uh, joining us on this podcast. I think a lot of people who are listening are active learners, uh, many active teachers, and hopefully we all have some different viewpoints and some understanding of what the debates are and where that even though there are debates, there's certain fundamentals that we all believe in. Thank you for having me. Now it's time for Bob's Pearls. The study that we discussed focused on one aspect of ward rounds and in that only measured the patient experience. We discussed at some length the multidimensional character of ward rounds and what is lacking in this study is a consideration of the learner's experience. Because ward rounds are multidimensional, both Dr. Willett and I believe that they require a multidimensional approach that includes significant time at the bedside, but not exclusively at the bedside, because some aspects of teaching do not lend themselves to be done in the room with the patient, putting the learner at some discomfort. This study clearly demonstrates that patients are able to handle discussions at the bedside, but are uncomfortable with jargon at times, and we need to be careful to explain the jargon to them afterwards. We hope that this podcast has given you some thoughts about what is important on bedside rounds and might relate this to your own experiences. Thank you for listening. For more episodes of Annals on Call and links to CME and MOC, visit go.annals.org slash on call. Participant statements on this podcast reflect the views of the participants and not necessarily those of the journal or the American College of Physicians, unless so identified. The information contained in the podcast should never be used as a substitute for clinical judgment.